Hey everybody, thanks for tuning in today to the Urban Phoenix Podcast. You're going to love this conversation I have with Michael John Haggerty. It is actually my first conversation that I'm going to have using, uh, I use the Anchor app uh, on my phone. It's a great podcasting app. And what it does is allows you to have remote conversations with people all over the country and I think all over the world as well. So you're going to start hearing a lot more conversations that I have uh, with people across New York State and across the country uh, about smart urbanism. There is a downside to it. The quality is not quite as good as when I'm just coming to you myself one-on-one, just recording to my phone. But uh, I, think you'll, uh, I think you'll push that aside for uh, some, some really wonderful coming conversations with people all across, uh, all across our region and hopefully uh, across the country eventually. So uh, stay tuned here for my conversation with Michael John Haggerty right after this advertisement. Thanks for listening in, everybody. Hello, everyone. Thank you very much for listening in today. Today, I'm doing my first ever uh, podcast remote interview here. And we are very, very, very lucky to have Michael John Haggerty on the phone. This guy, if you know anything about Syracuse, you know about this guy. This guy has his finger on the pulse of everything that's happening uh, in downtown Syracuse. And we are really, really happy to have him on the show today. Michael, how are you doing today? Pretty good, Arian. Thanks for having me. Fantastic. Um, you know, I, I was, I've been in Syracuse a couple times recently, if, if yeah. only just brief, briefly. And, you know, something, I feel something different. That's the only thing I can say is now I go to downtown now and I look around and there are just little additives here and there that, that to me are making all the difference in the world. I, I love the, the, the look and feel. I just see more people walking around. I hear more people talking positively about Syracuse. Is, is, is that I mean, what what is driving that right now? I'd say uh, I'd say at the forefront of what you're describing is a quintessential shift that's happened over the last uh, year or so. Um, over the past uh, decade, um, Syracuse has uh, been coming up, similar to many of the upstate uh, cities and towns that you write about. Um, Syracuse was once the throne of the state of New York. It was the centerpiece of the Erie Canal. It was the mid- midway point, right, right. and it is, no matter which way you look at the map, the actual metaphysical heart of the state of New York. So Syracuse mm-hmm. is known as the central city. When it was incorporated in 1848, it was the center city, right? So central city. So So we have this kind of like resurgence. It doesn't it, you know, things like this come full circle. And what we have for the first time in a long time, besides the two seasons we've had for the past couple of years, winter and construction. Mm -hmm. Right. We've uh, (laughs) we've finally uh, reached a point. We know that we reached a point where (laughs) we have this like rust belt chic, you know, up and coming thing and and sure the the creative class of the city has done a lot better job of banding together and collaborating and i think that's what we're seeing firsthand we're seeing the arts organizations and and more interest in um uh special events and and repurposing spaces around the city something that i've been pushing for for a while now now you you use an interesting term there that I absolutely love. You call it the, the creative yes. class. 
Uh, talk to me a little bit, Beb, because I know this is really your focus. Talk to me a little bit about uh, the importance of that creative class in taking our cities uh, and making them uh, more vibrant, more approachable, more equitable, um, representing everyone. And also talk about your kind of influence on that community in, in, uh, in Syracuse. Class, as I refer to it, um, is a pretty wide blanket um, um, term. But, but what I mean to say is, you know, those who are actually um, creatively repurposing things throughout the city, including artisans. So when you see the public art and the murals and you see uh, urban pockets and spaces repurposed into parklets, and uh, become more pedestrian friendly. Really, um, we live in this modern era and you as an avid uh, traveler via um, train and bike um, probably know this better than most, but Mm -hmm. the more walkability, the better. And so we kind of have uh, moved closer to that reality. In the last year, we've we've brought a, a bike share program to the city, which was a long time coming. Uh, that's electric yes, bike sir. share um, and um, the gotcha um, actually has um, e-assist that never turns off so it's like little boosts uh, those things are pretty wild and uh, so I, I've ridden that that's a great piece that really is fly all over with these things and so we right, truly are right. the 20 minute city because of the highways and connect connectivity to the burbs but we have um, a deeper connection now uh, thanks to the fact that you know at the turn of the century Syracuse had 12 bicycle manufacturers and the number one bicycle on the planet uh, the yellow fellow from Hmm. EC Stearns right I didn't know that EC Stearns and company ships these bicycles all over the world with the big Syracuse on the side of the crate and and everyone around the world began to realize that Syracuse was the birthplace of these, of these bright yellow bicycles. They got so popular. Mm-hmm. It, right. Right. Everybody that knows they, that he turned, they just stopped calling them, you know, yellow fellows and they were just the Syracuse, you know, and everyone around the world was, was using it. That's pretty great. And That's so amazing. Deep rooted history in that. So we are a bike city. We are a beer city, very venerable brewing history. Um, at one point in time, there was 60 some odd fully functional breweries um, in the city. And we've seen a resurgence of, of things, including um, thanks to some urban partnerships, a lot of uh, small businesses and boutique type stuff coming up. Um, mm-hmm. Those pockets had need to be filled and have uh, needed to kind of, uh, you know, fill the gaps of uh, the resurgence here. And now we're reaching that level where, new businesses are swooping in and, and, and asserting themselves and being quite successful in Syracuse because we have, we have more downtown living and more jobs coming here. So that's, that's fantastic. I mean, it's, it's, it's great to hear all that. It's great to see it, you know, firsthand, everything that you're talking about, because I definitely feel that when I go to visit Syracuse now, um, it, it definitely has a new vibe. You mentioned, you know, uh, briefly there, people living downtown. Yeah. And talk about the importance of of building an environment that welcomes, you know, because I, I think, you know, I talk about this a lot. I think the general kind of thought over the last, you know, 40 years is that cities are a place that maybe you go to once in a while. 
to, uh, to, to go drink, to go have a good time, to go party or something like that. You know, talk to me about getting our cities, especially our Rust Belt cities, back to the place where people live again and, and building an environment around livability. So you, when you first visited Syracuse a couple of years ago and um, wrote your poignant piece on Armory Square, um, something that happened is you talked about um, characters like, like myself being conduits for uh, connecting people um i Mm. think i think it all comes down to that because i'm gonna use a a a funny term that i heard once from a friend but basically Mm -hmm. what is history it's a bunch of dead humans (laughs) right so we have buildings and streets named after former presidents and we have you know, armories that burnt down and were rebuilt that are museums and we have all kinds of interesting history, but we have a, a, a deep history, especially in the big three along the canal. Um, if Syracuse said, uh-uh-uh, you can't build any higher than that, then the architects of the time hopped on the Erie Canal, went to Rochester and built it bigger. And if Rochester said, slow down, Mm. they did the same thing, went to Buffalo. So Buffalo has even larger structures, right? Interesting. Sure, sure. You know, it's this crazy thing that we have. We have a few architectural claim to fames that no one can take away from us from that national grid building, which is top top 10 uh, deco around the world. Mm -hmm. That um, is something else. To the probably the most famous uh, museum-based architect to ever live, I.M. Pei and his Everson Museum. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I.M. Pei's built a lot, but he's known for probably the most you know, recognizable structure on the planet and those glass pyramids in front of the Louvre. And so, sure. so we have a lot of uh, interesting um, architectural history amongst some new LEED-certified wonderful modern buildings and when you line up the skyline and when you line up the Syracuse uh, from the dome on the hill to the downtown um, we have a a very interesting collection um, of buildings and these buildings have solid architectural bones and solid structures so when new developers come in it's easy to consider uh turning them into downtown living so the downtown living has grown tenfold in the past 10 years and there's finally reaching that mass where we're going to need a fully functional downtown uh supermarket you know we're going to need need some new um things and the people of downtown really dictate that there's a lot of four-legged friends walking around and uh (laughs) i see that as a sign of progress in a city and uh sure strollers exactly strollers exactly and so and so the more people are hitting the streets and actually exploring and and stumbling upon these uh, small businesses that really are the 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 web of the city um that that ties it all together the, the easier it is to see what kind of areas can be utilized more. And it's, it's like a heat map. If you really pay attention, people flock to these uh, pocket uh, parks and um, people really enjoy these certain thoroughfares. And uh, that's why I won't allow um, alleys and tucked away corners between buildings to be 
forgotten spaces and I attack sure. those areas because I know how important they are to the end game. And if someone stumbles upon an alleyway on the way to the landmark theater to see Jersey boys and they're surprised to see activity and light strong and musicians and vendors, they're going to remember that experience and they're going to talk, mm. spread the good word of Syracuse someplace else, you know? Right. And I talk a lot about, it's interesting you mentioned alleys because I've been having a lot of those conversations about, um, you know, building for spontaneity. And, and when you pass things like that, when you pass good architecture, when you pass those little corners that have an art installation or have like Syracuse has and Rochester just got um, musical instruments uh, oh, playable yeah. for the, by the public downtown, um, you know, when you, it, it gives your city uh, you know, it gives both visitors and residents a uh, feeling like there's there's layers to their city. And I think that's so important when we build a stronger urbanity. Without right? a doubt. And uh, and um, not not for nothing, but Symphoria, the local Philharmonic of the Syracuse area, um, sure. had uh, installed um, versions of these public instruments around Syracuse um, for the last couple of years. And um I've uh, secretly been uh, I'm using YouTube to do the Beverly Hills Cop theme song. On the- <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. I thought about that, too. I really want to go down to the one, the new one in Rochester by yeah. LK Park. If you're listening and you're in Rochester and you, you have not seen this, you got to go down there and check it out. It's awesome. With the little kind of xylophone things. And they're all tuned so that you don't really have to be a musician. You can just right. bang around on these and create The resonation melody. is there. So, yeah. um, <clears throat> it is. And so, you know, the, the uh, I, I want to go down there and, and like record a little song i thought it'd be kind of neat to maybe because we have uh you know yeah. eastman uh one of the most prestigious music schools uh in the country it would be fun to get a couple of you know really good students down there along with maybe a couple of kids and you know bang out a you know uh you know produce a, a little you know couple minute piece of music or something like that i think that oh, without a doubt man without a doubt <laughs> a, a percussionist all day yep. exactly exactly there you go so uh you know one more question okay. for you um uh, you know, you're, uh, tell me about Wildflowers Academy. Uh, I'm sorry, Wildflowers Armory, um, because I popped in there the last time I was in Syracuse, and what a great little piece that is. I mean, how important is that? And uh, you know, talk to me about kind of where that came from in your mind and how absolutely. That so it it grew from uh, a series of uh, pop ups around the city. Um, while there was uh, um, retail on the ground level that was uh, um, readily available but not being utilized, um, I swung in, struck deal with uh, business owners and made these pop-up shops. The one stipulation was that had, you had to be a local artist um, and, uh, or at least a regional New York State-based artist, and it had to be original mm-hmm. and handmade. So we swooped, swooped in with upwards of 20, 30 vendors, and then as we moved forward over the last couple of years, um, due to the uh, growing success and uh, the market uh, supporting local artists pretty well around here, we were able to birth Wildflowers Armory. Uh, it's in a former uh, late deco train station on the back end of Armory Square, uh, built, in, built in 1942. And uh, we took the ground level and turned it into a little bit of a creative hub and it's full of local artisan handmade goods from, um, you know, from Utica to Binghamton and Rochester to Syracuse. You've got a little bit of everything in here, uh, jewelry and art and prints and foodie items and 
upcycled uh, um, pieces of pieces mm-hmm. of items made from bicycle parts. You name it, we've got a little bit of everything, and there really is something for everyone. Yeah, and there? so you know, the artists um, are you know encouraged to promote themselves in the shop. It's a bit of an incubator, and it's a bit of a uh, um, event space as well. So you know, we have veteran vendors who go to or weekend warriors and go to every single you know festival and then we have uh, brand new vendors who are starting the game and um, we get together we learn a lot from each other and we help each other out and promote it so believe it or not a month ago when you were there um, to always keep it ever um, flowing we on a three month basis change the shop completely. So it's a pop up shop. It's the endless that's the endless awesome. pop up, right? So <laughs> that's a great idea. pop up. So every three months we change it. Not to outdo ourselves. Uh, we've signed a deal to move into the historic McCarthy building, which is oh, wow. the second uh, probably the second busiest intersection in the entire city. It's on the corner of mm-hmm. Salina at Fayette. And uh, McCarthy was uh, historically known, and you'll love this, Arian, historically known as like the corner store, but he was an avid bicyclist. So at the turn nice. of the century, he had a 12-story building, and uh, the, the roof had a velodrome on it where he rode his bike. And, <laughs> come on. Uh, he had uh, a observation deck for customers that could come up and check them out rolling around. <laughs> and, that's incredible. So, yeah, I have no wild. idea. So like the roof is like a really cool, interesting element that's going to be, um, you know, developed soon. There'll be a rooftop deck up there in the near future. But uh, uh, as we make this giant leap from this old train station on the back end of Armory, that helped us change the uh, way people look at armory and close the whole circle. Um, we, we actually are moving into this new building with room for expansion into the lower level. And uh, we're going to be there as on November 1st, just in time for the holiday season. We're going to move in with new vendors and get going real quick. And, uh, you know, moving around is kind of a part of our, plan it always has been but this offer was way too juicy to not take so you know all the artists and all the creatives that come together to make this a reality are quite excited to be able to uh provide this and and it's it's getting the attention kind of the right kind of attention around the area and artists come from all over to learn a little bit about the way we're doing it here and we're proud of that well, that is that's fantastic news. I didn't know about that. That's wonderful. Congratulations! Thanks so much. That is uh, that's going to really, really make a difference. I love, by the way, what you said there about kind of, you know, you like to keep things fresh. You like to cycle things through and move move yeah. things along. That's really important. And I'm, I'm realizing that more and more. You know, in an urban setting, is you know, cities aren't meant to be permanent, right? I mean, there's constant ebbs and flows in our city and there should be because that's what makes a city a city. That's what makes a city exciting. It's, it's a, it's a kind of acceptance of impermanence and that's what keeps it exciting and interesting. Absolutely. And, uh, I'll have you know that, um, my artist, the shop here, some of my closest advisors and friends are podcast aholics and, uh, (laughs) they are constantly sending or talking about the new podcast they're listening to or whatever. Mm -hmm. So it would be really fun for, for me to uh, share this uh, episode with them and say, I did a podcast with Arian the other day. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. Well, thank you again for joining us real quick in about 30 seconds yes. to a minute. Tell me if you were to envision Syracuse in 10 yes. years from now, 
what how would you describe it to somebody that your vision for Syracuse how would you describe Syracuse to somebody 10 years okay um 10 years ago I started living in Syracuse and working here so 10 years from now um something that Syracuse City downtown proper doesn't have right now but we're getting closer to the reality of having is an actual destination that everyone points to not just the restaurants that are popular or not just the cultural assets but rather something that's like a everyone must go there type thing so when you say mm-hmm. when you say this the the dome and the Syracuse orange are synonymous with the city we have something in the city that's synonymous with the city. So something that no one else can, can emulate and it's very uniquely Syracuse. And I think, mm-hmm. I think that Onondaga Creek walk that you find that you came yes. upon, which is expand, expanding that. this time next year is going to be that key mm-hmm. because it's going to be the connectivity from the university down to the city, out to the inner Harbor. And there's a lot of development along it. As we speak, so I think so I th- much. I yeah. think the ADA friendly, um, like live music festival that's five miles long along a creek walk that goes through all the urban areas of the city is mm-hmm. going to be the thing that Syracuse has that nobody else has, and uh, and so that's the kind of vision that I have for the area, an attraction that everyone can agree upon and say you got to go here and check this out. And it kind of connects everything that you can see. So if you explore it, you're bound to find some fun stuff. I love it. That sounds good to me. I would love it. Thank you so much, Michael John Haggerty, for joining me here on the Urban Phoenix Podcast. I really appreciate you taking my time. My man, thank you. Nice talking to you.